if financial knowledge is all over the place, why do we all feel like we stink at it? Let us find out in today's episode by chatting with Joe Sal Sihai on this interesting topic. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. Folks, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. And through the Guiding Voice, we drive conversations that matter, conversations that add value to your life and your career. You know, successful leaders across the globe share their knowledge and wisdom on our platform so that our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into the Guiding Voice for every minute than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are extremely pleased to have Joe part of our journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Joe, I'm super excited to have you part of the show. Welcome to Man. TV. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. And uh, I've always wanted to go to India. My wife and my son have gone. And so I feel like I'm partway there being on a podcast coming from India, at least as partway there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, as I was uh, mentioning, you have a Host in me, anytime you visit Hyderabad, doors are always open. I'm just a call away. <laughs> Likewise in Texas, my friend. Likewise. Absolutely. Let's catch up. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, dive into the conversation, Joe. And maybe you can briefly share your career journey with our audience. Yeah, I was a financial planner for 16 years. But even before that, I think what's material for me is that I was like most people. I lived in a family where we didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't talk about money. When I went to college, I went to college to become uh, uh, the next great creative writer, which is why I ended up being a financial planner, because <laughs> all you're going to do as a creative writer is either write the next great American novel or serve coffee to somebody someplace. Uh, there wasn't much to do with that degree. But the I grew up in a small town and I had a really an engineering mentality, but I didn't know what an engineer was. I had no idea. I thought engineers, Naveen, were just the people that drove the train, you know, that, that was that was it. But when I got to college, I messed up everything about my money. I got into credit card debt right away. I uh, I made a mess of my my personal financial situation. I never had a lot of money. So it was kind of ironic when a friend called me and said, hey, would you like to apply to be a financial planner? And exactly, specifically what he said was this. He said, we don't hire people like you, but I think you'd be really good at this. So I don't know if that was a compliment or if he was, you know, being me, but whatever. It turned out, though, that I was good at it. I was very good at explaining concepts to people, but at the same time, because I didn't know a lot about it, I was learning as I'm giving people advice. I was still really messing up my personal financial situation though. And I realized one day, and it was, it was a really, it was a tough day. I ran, I ran out of gasoline for my car after giving advice to some people. And I realized what a sham I was, what a, you know, I'm living a double life. I'm giving people great advice about money. I'm taking none of that advice myself. I'm totally thinking that I can just earn more money and it's going to help me get rid of these bad, you know, it's going to overcome these bad money habits that I had, these bad spending habits. And it, and it didn't. So on that day, I cried about my money, like a lot of people do around the world. And I realized I needed to do things differently. So I quit doing shortcuts. I decided I needed to put a financial foundation in place for my financial house. 
And um, and it was amazing how quickly I went from disaster to competent, maybe uh, two and a half years. And then within seven years, I was doing very well, very, very well with money. At age 40, I sold my business and I decided that I was going to, I made a lot of money and I decided I was going to become a high school teacher. I was going to teach kids, uh, go back into writing, teach kids about writing and become a track coach. I, I ran track and cross country in college. And um, I'm, I'm sitting while I'm taking classes, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm doing all this writing for my friends who are in the financial industry. I was writing their newsletters to clients. I was writing scripts for television because I had done some PR while I was uh, working in as a financial planner. And I realized I'm making as much money as a teacher, but I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm teaching people about money and I'm having a lot of fun doing that. So that was about 12 years ago. And I then, um, after a couple of years, started a podcast. That podcast became, after a couple stops and starts, became Stacky Benjamin's. Stacky Benjamin's podcast is now 11 years old. It has uh, around 50 million downloads. We have about 150,000 people a week listen to the show. And, um, and we just generally have a lot of fun trying to teach people about money. It was a long, long journey though, Naveen getting there, <laughs> like from that day that I cried about my money to today just seems like this surreal winding road. You know what I mean? In, in <laughs> quite interesting and illustrious journey. And, uh, you, you mentioned about, uh, advice that you give, but you don't follow, right? Other than that, are there any major lessons that you have learned? And or or probably ca call them as uh, three major things that have helped you to be successful in your professional life so far. Oh yeah, no, great question. Well, the first thing is is I've messed up so much. I've realized early on that you have to have a growth mindset. I feel too often, especially in these days with social media, Naveen, we're all we're all so busy fighting and defending ourselves that we never think it's. We never think, where am I wrong on this? We're too busy saying, no, 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 I'm right. Look at me. I'm right. We should be saying, where am I wrong? How can I learn? And it was only through that process of realizing what I was getting wrong that I finally started doing things right. So I'd say having a growth mindset is number one. Number two for me, it was that idea of building a foundation. You know, it was funny at the time, I, I was making about 85,000 US dollars, but I was spending around 100,000. It didn't matter, by the way. If I'd made a hundred thousand, I would have spent 120. If I made 120, I would have spent 150. If I made 150, I would have spent 170. I needed to have a foundation in place. I couldn't, I couldn't think that things were going to get better for me without you can't earn your way out of bad habits. But then the third thing, and this is a really important one. I feel like we live in an age where everybody's like, well, you know what? I'm smart enough to do this myself. I can go to podcast university, I can go to YouTube university, and I'll learn it. And the answer is yes, you can, and you should. However, surrounding myself with really smart people paid huge, huge dividends. I think, I think this idea that you're smart enough misses the point. Yes, you are, but you can get information much more quickly if you're surrounded by super smart people and uh, who can cover your blind spots. I, I truly am a product of those people that I'm around. That's quite intriguing, especially surrounding ourselves with smart people and all. I don't know if you happen to listen to this Entrepreneurs on Fire, uh, JLD. <laughs> he says you are the yeah. average of five people. And today you chatted with JLD and uh, 
probably I would say JS <laughs> Joe Sal C hi those are wonderful wonderful lessons and um, now as a fellow podcaster I'm curious to understand what are some of the toughest lessons that you have learned in your podcasting journey of 11 years 50 million downloads 150k people visiting of course I'm sure it didn't happen in a day right because no. i started my journey two and a half months two and a half years ago and i know what it took for me to reach here and i have a long way to go so likewise i'm really curious to learn from your experience well no and it's funny you say that naveen because it was about at the three year mark the things really changed for us the show was growing very slowly um we were i remember my co-host even said to me one day he goes what the hell are we doing Like I'm like what? What are you talking about? This is great. He goes, "Yeah, I got other things to do. It just it seems like it's going nowhere." What we realized, this was the tough thing was that you know, deeper is not always better. That there's so many people that are being left behind, especially when it comes to money, that making the show actually you know, it's funny. I want to say dumber, but I don't think our show is dumb. Making our show more accessible and getting rid of the jargon getting rid of the, the 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 depth and just giving people something to hang on to you know there was this study done uh, recently by this group called nonfiction research that, that showed that of 330 million people in the United States I talked about crying about my money nearly half of those 330 million people say they've cried about their money and you would think by the way that those people are people living paycheck to paycheck living hand to mouth while that is the case of people making $200,000 or more nearly half of those people say they're crying about their money and these are people should they should have their stuff together so what i realized is instead of going after these people who are already financially literate they know all of the terminology they know what they're talking about there's all these great podcasts out there there's great videos there's great books there's all this stuff we're still leaving people behind because there's not enough people that are creating an on ramp to all of those people So saying that we're not going to be the last word and instead we're going to be the first word. We're going to introduce you to these cool people and these cool ideas was was a great way I think to start. So I guess to directly answer your question, number one is deeper is not always better. Sometimes shallower and helping people just giving your brother a hand and helping them get a foothold was actually better for us. We made our show more fun, more funny. It has kind of a, you know, there's a big show in the US called The Tonight Show. We made it more of a Tonight Show vibe. We've got my mom's neighbor Doug. It's live from my mom's half-finished basement, you know, and we're talking about serious stuff but in a way that is disarming and hopefully makes people want to come. I think the second thing is, and this is another big one, is that uh, you know, I've always had this belief, Naveen, and I think a lot of creators do and you might too. if i just build a really good show people will come they'll just listen to it the bad news is there's so it's so hard to find uh any show to find your show to find my show we had to have a marketing engine like we had to have a strategy to market what we do and if you're not good at marketing reading some of these basic books like um like uh uh, uh the e-myth is a phenomenal book about building a business and then building your marketing engine i also like guerrilla marketing great book guerrilla marketing is 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 phenomenal lately i've been binging on a book called 100 million dollar offers by a guy named alex harmozy but knowing how to market once you have a good product first have a good product that you're proud of like the guiding light and then and then after that know how to market that product 
excellent tips i, I wish uh, we had this conversation a year ago but uh, the point that you mentioned about the three year mark in fact i have heard it uh, from marketing school podcast as well i think they mentioned it right before their two, 2000th episode saying that most of the podcasters drop before two years expecting early yeah. results and all but success happens to those who cross this three year milestone so i think that is yeah. uh, very critical and we are just six well, away <laughs> well, and, and that's the truth of anything. And by the way, before I get too far, I yeah. I, I call the podcast Guiding Light, which is funny because my mom, my mom grew up watching a show on TV called The Guiding Light, which is which is a soap opera in America in America during the day. Of course, it's Guiding Voice, duh. But uh, but what's funny is is that I think that's true not just of podcasting. So if people listening that aren't podcasters. It's going to take you a while to get good at stuff. Yeah. I mean, you have to swim a moat and you have to gain competency. Yeah. I, I, I feel like too many people are, are going down at a young age. They're going down this, this path of, I'm just going to follow my passion. And the second something gets hard, they go, well, I'm not passionate about it because it's hard. <laughs> Anything that's worth doing is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So uh, yeah, d- don't give up. Cause I think if you stick around and you have that, that uh, growth mentality of how can I make it better? We literally at, at about the three year mark, we took our show and we made it, as I mentioned more tonight show, we made it snappier. We started studying comedy. We're finance guys. We're studying comedy. We're taking comedy courses. We do all this stuff. You know what happened to Veen? We lost a third of our listeners immediately. A third of our audience goes away. And we're like, oh did we screw, did we screw this up? And we had to believe that we were doing the right thing because it was about two months later. It took maybe eight weeks before all of a sudden there was this hockey, I mean, big time hockey stick. And it was huge. And immediately then uh, Kiplinger gave us a, a big U.S. publication uh, in finance, called us Best Personal Finance Podcast. The Art of Manliness, a big website, said we were one of 18 podcasts that men needed to listen to. We're, we're, Naveen, we're not a podcast just for men. We're for men and women. And this huge men's site says men need to listen to this. And then the accolades started coming. But if we hadn't believed that it was going to be hard, and if we hadn't challenged ourselves and been okay with the fact that we were going to lose some of those early people, we would have never made the swing the moat. Quite encouraging. And uh, by the way, I have uh, about 30 episodes in the pipeline. So I'm not going to give up anyways. <laughs> Good deal. Good All for right. both of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now let's move to the next question, Joe. Uh, can you share about how to set goals that work? Because many times yeah. people set goals as part of New Year resolution, but come February, they're gone. <laughs> Likewise, it happens, except for the work, work-related work goals are a little different because their appraisals are linked to it and they're completely different from personal goals. Yeah, no, I, no, I'm right there with you because my New Year's resolutions every year are gone in a hurry. And if if that strategy worked, more people would do it and we'd still be working on them. And so writing down your goals doesn't work. But here's here's the reason why. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, I believe. And actually studies show it doesn't work because we write these in a vacuum. We write them at a time when we're aspirational. And then, you know, our car breaks down or the dishwasher breaks or or we get sick or something happens that throws us off our game that's much more immediate. And we go, yeah, yeah, these goals are great, but I'm going to deal with those later. Today, I have to deal with my vehicle or today I got to deal with whatever the problem du jour is. 
So I actually started off my, uh, I just wrote a book called Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. And I started with this strategy because of the fact that I think this is foundational to everything that you do in personal finance. You do this thing that's visual instead of writing down your goals. So, you know, Naveen, you've had people on the show that have talked about having a vision board, talked about putting your, you know, wherever you get ready in the morning, make these pictures. Our brains are visual. We don't think in words, we think in vision. And so, in fact, even studies show that people who are born blind still think in imagery versus thinking in 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 any type of words we have to learn words it takes us a while as babies to learn that but from the time we're born we have this imagery in our head and so that's why imagery really works and what i love is this strategy that i call timelining your goals and here's what you do take out just any basic piece of 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 paper And on one side, put yourself as a stick figure, put it like landscape style, put yourself as a stick figure and draw a line that represents the rest of your life. And along that line, instead of writing out your goals, line one, line two, line three, line four, put points on that line. Okay, this is the year that I want to be financially independent. This is when I want to own my own house. This is when I'm going to need a vehicle. This is when I'm going to educate my children, whatever it might be, put those on the timeline. And what's cool is, is because we think in terms of spatial recognition, our brains start doing this cool stuff where we're like, okay, which goal is more important? Is it this one or is it that one? Do I want to put my kids through through university or do I want to be financially independent in that day? And if I can't get both of these, then which one's more important? Which is great because it we, we have these horrible discussions about money. When the real discussions, the fun discussions are about what do we value, right? What's valuable to me in my life? And once I start having those discussions, this goal versus that goal, which one's more important, I'm much more likely to get them. But then other things start happening that are cool because then my brain starts working. Okay, if I want to be financially independent by the time I'm 50, how much money do I need to save every month to get there? And then I start thinking about my budget, not in terms of how do I not waste money, which by the way, the more I think about not wasting money, the more I'm going to waste money. (laughs) Instead of that negative, I have to think positively, hey, I need to save $400 every month to get to my goal. I need to save X amount of money to get to my goal. And then that also helps us know how to invest that money. And then we also can set up milestones so we can high five ourselves every six months if we're ahead or if we're behind, I can take corrective action. So I love the idea of putting our goals out on a timeline against each other and having them fight it out against each other like a wrestling match versus uh, just these New Year's resolutions to your point that are in, in space. Like, uh, how am I going to how yeah. am I going to even monitor those goals? And they're going to fizzle out very soon. But yeah, I, I love the division board. You have taken it to the next level altogether. I can imagine a stick figure drawing lines out there and have those visuals around which vehicle you are going to buy. And when those milestones, that's superb. I'm going to do that right away. <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Indeed. I, I have uh, my own vision board. Uh, and uh, of course, it is not in this uh, particular room where I'm uh, doing this show, but I have set up myself and I coach my mentor mentees as well to set up their own vision board it really works wonders wonders right <laughs> it, it, it is i think the power is in that visualization i'm, I'm with you completely to be 
All right. So, Joe, now let's talk about this uh, dangers of uh, FOMO, fear of uh, missing out, be it the basic stuff. Uh, we are glued to our uh, mobile phones all the time and opening the social media platforms every now and then not to miss out what is up, what is the, some update posted by somebody else. Uh, how many likes did I get or how many comment, how many people are commenting on my picture? That could be one basic example I can think of, but you can uh, take this uh, forward from here. <laughs> It is. It's so frustrating. And, and, and the more we look outwardly at what other people have, the more we find ourselves desiring what they want, which I think is, which I think is the key to FOMO. The key to FOMO is spending too much time outside and not enough time inside, not thinking about for me and what do I really want just for just, just, just for me. I mean, Studies show we've had in the United States this huge run up in um, in housing. Well, heck, we've had that across the world, right? Real estate prices going up. And so with real estate prices going up, part of that, I believe, and people way smarter than me believe, is because of social media. Because social media shows somebody else has bought a house and because they made money on that house, well, guess what? I can make money on the house too. So now I want a house. I don't really know anything about housing. I just know that uh, everybody else is doing it, so I should do it too. I think that was the run-up in crypto. A lot of the run-up in crypto was that, oh my goodness, people are getting wealthy on this. Like We didn't really care about the fact that it's a digital currency, the fact that this is next-level stuff that, that companies can use against each other. We thought it was the way to get rich very quickly. Right. And we're watching other people get rich very quickly. And the more we're learning now, by the way, the people who got seriously rich were insiders who had information that you and I could not have. Don't get me wrong. There were some people who made lots of money that didn't have it, but, but, but the game was rigged against us. So to not play that game, I think is super important. And the way to not play that is to think inter what's, what's going to really light me up. And generally, when I think that, I think much more in I think less in terms of money and more in terms of life. And let me tell you what I'm talking about there. You know, for me, what I realized is a couple of years ago when I started thinking about my legacy, I thought about none of my goals work. Nothing goes anywhere if I'm not healthy, right? So increasingly, I'm thinking about what I eat. I'm thinking about how I sleep. I'm thinking about my workout schedule. It has nothing to do with FOMO as much as it has to do with if I really want to leave my mark and do big things that affect a lot of people, help more people get financial literacy, I have to be healthy. And once I started thinking in terms of health, the FOMO started going away in terms of what everybody else was thinking. And instead, I got into myself. And then that led me to, you know what? Being healthy also means that I can then help my kids. I have twins that are 27 years old. If I can help my kids be, be great at what they do, if I can help my spouse, if I can help my community, like those are the things that really light me up. You know how much all those things cost, Naveen? Zero dollars. Everything I mentioned that truly lights my fire costs nothing. And it's because I started inward instead of going outward. And I think that's where we have to, that's where we have to begin. Simply fabulous. Yeah, going back to one of the topics that we discussed early on about uh, we are the average of five people that we surround with, right? Yeah. And we get uh, a lot of uh, information firsthand, which we might not get otherwise or which might get delayed in reaching us. So now, uh, can you share some tips here on how to find right people? This is a great question. In fact, it's funny. I, I read some research 
that we're more disconnected from local community than ever before. Like in the United States, we used to have these these clubs, like they're called Rotary Clubs that are just community clubs. Those are largely going away. Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, these organizations for kids largely going away. We are seeing the death of our local community as people more and more go online. That's bad news, but it also, Naveen, I think represents an opportunity. It's easier for us to connect. The fact that I'm connected with you and I live on the Texas-Arkansas border and and you're you're in Hyderabad is amazing. It's incredible. You have access to people you didn't have access to before. So I think you start with a question. And here is a basic, by the way, I learned this question at 50. I'm 54 right now. I learned this question. Had I learned this question when I was 30, I would have been so much further ahead than I am today. And the question, and by the way, this is presented to me by Strategic Coach. So to give credit where it's due, there's an organization called Strategic Coach, great coaching organization in the USA, led by a brilliant guy named Dan Sullivan. Dan says, ask who, not how. And so the big question is, is ask, ask yourself, and by the way, I know Naveen, this isn't directly answering your question, but it will in a second. Once I ask who, not how, the main question that most of us have is how do I, how do I do X thing? How do I learn about whatever? How do I accomplish? Don't ask, how do I do it? If I ask, how do I do it? I'm going to end up on YouTube. I'm going to get lost in these loops. I'm still going to make a ton of mistakes. I'm going to go down these rabbit holes of what's important and what's not. It's not about information. I can get information quickly. It's about distilling it and somebody who's been there telling me what's important. So ask yourself, what are those things I want out of my life? And then ask, who are the people who know those things? And then reach out to those people and ask, can we have coffee over a Zoom call? I would love to. And by the way, the the most badass thing anybody's done for me, I think badass is the right word, is after one of these sessions, somebody just sent me a $5 Starbucks gift card. Somebody sent me a $5 gift card and it was so nice. Like I can buy my own coffee and five bucks is fine. But when somebody sent me a $5 gift card to, to, to spend 45 minutes with me, just picking my brain, it's awesome. And this idea of just, it's a little gift. It's this little thought that counts for $5. Somebody learned about podcasting from me. I've, I've done the same thing, learning about how to build different things in my life. So ask, what do I want to build? Then ask who? And then just reach out and ask and say, hey, would you mind spending half an hour with me chatting about whatever? And the fact that now it's not just our local community, it's the world we have at our fingertips. We're more likely, we're, we're, we're much more likely to do that. But even on a local level, I like the idea, Naveen, of somebody who lives in your local community. I really feel bad about the fact that we're losing the sense of individual little communities. Find those people in your community. You know, like you, I work online most of my day. So I try to take part in a local nonprofit, a local charity. I help put on a local uh, running event um, uh, called the Run the Line Half Marathon. I try to go to some of these meetings. And what I find there is I find people in my local community who I really respect. And I just reach out to them and I say, hey, would you like to go out to breakfast? Would you like to, 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 to just have lunch together? And you know what? I don't have to buy them lunch. They buy their own lunch. I buy mine. And I end up chatting with these people. And it's funny because a friend of mine told me last week, he said, you know, for a guy that works online, you know, all the people in Texarkana, like, you know, all, you know, all these people. And it's just because, just because you have to decide to get involved in your local community. So I think those are a couple ideas, but surrounding yourself with those people is so important because you have to know 
that there's going to be a time when there's going to be a what do I want to know later on. And if I've got those who's all around me that I can go to and say, hey, Naveen, how do I do this thing? It's going to make my life so much easier. You, you brought in a very important topic in terms of ignoring the local community and staying connected with uh, those around us. I think uh, yeah, we are uh, totally flooded and we are trying to live in the virtual world. Like uh, there, there are so many uh, quotes around saying that, okay, you might have 50,000 people on Instagram and 5,000 followers on Facebook, but are you really interacting with them when, when it comes, when, when you uh, face them in a physical environment, right? That is uh, uh, something very profound. And uh, in fact, I started realizing the value of local communities a um, uh, few months ago and uh, started involving in those. And I see a lot of value added in that. And uh, those are uh, some fabulous tips. Uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying well, this all- conversation. Yeah. Well, and it also, Naveen, it makes us feel better, right? I don't know about you, but when I get involved on a local level, I just feel good. It just, I don't know what it is. You know, COVID kind of took this away from us for a while, Um, this ability to be face-to-face. And now that I'm in rooms of people again, I'm face-to-face with them. I don't know. I get this, I get this feeling. There's got to be something scientific about it because being face-to-face with these people, I think is so important. Indeed, indeed, yeah. And we are losing that uh, social connect, right? Uh, of course, pandemic um, uh, led to that, but definitely we have to go back to the erstwhile communication, which is very, very important because off late, I, I started working from home for about uh, two and a half years now, right? And uh, when it comes to this physical meeting, there is slight uh, uh, discomfort, okay, when we are yeah. speaking to them and all, right? And it, Agreed, uh, it didn't yeah. exist. It didn't exist. I used to address... Hundreds of people in conferences and all, right? But uh, yeah, we may have to focus more on that. All right. So uh, let's move to the next question. And um, yeah, this uh, caught my attention while I was going through your profile about uh, crops in the field thought process. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because this is from my book. And this is one of the uh, most asked questions that people have asked me because my, even my co-author on the book, and by the way, just an aside, when I when I talked about ask who, not how, Naveen, when I went to write this book, it's my first book and it got published through the world's number one publisher, Penguin Random House. It's It's been, it's had a big uh, success. It's won a bunch of awards, but I didn't know what I was doing. And so I could have written it myself, but I asked who knows how to write a book. And I went to a friend of mine who has five best-selling finance books in the United States and said, can you help me? And then she wrote half of that. I wrote half of it. And that was kind of how we got a big publisher too. We got a big publisher because of the fact that I asked who, not how, and they felt very comfortable with her versus a first-time author like me. But but crops in the field, I'm a farm boy. I grew up on farms. And I think even if you've lived your entire life in the city, you will know this analogy. And that is this. People, when they, you talked about FOMO earlier, Naveen, people will often, when they're like, oh, I got to get into crypto, that means they take their money out of whatever investment they're in now and they put it in crypto instead. Well, if you think about doing that with your crops as you're a farmer, growing corn is a great thing to grow. All of a sudden you want to grow wheat. You don't pull out your corn halfway through the growing season and stick wheat in the field instead. It doesn't work that way. Crops have a growing season. And when you look at that timeline that we built earlier in the show, 
you'll see how much time it's going to be till you need the money. That is your growing season on that investment. And what people worry about, especially, you know, and you talked about FOMO, people worry about having the right investments. Here's how you get the right investments. What most people do is they try to know everything about every investment and they freak out about the fact that, oh my, there's so many different choices. How do I choose the right one? Well, the problem is we're trying to be an expert in all of them and you can't be. There is no way you're going to be an expert in all the things that are out there. If you start with that timeline and I know how long I have until the goal, I then narrow my search to only investment types that have that growing season, right? So if it's 15 years to my goal, what historically has gotten me there most reliably over 15 years? And I'm going to do that. So as an example, stocks, if we look at the stock market, the worldwide stock market, if you have one year or two years until you reach your goal, that is not a long enough growing season for stocks. It's horrible. You're more, you're, you're better off taking your money to a casino because it's pretty much the same thing. And going to a casino, you'll have fun, right? You'll have fun watching your money go down the toilet. In the stock market, you'll have no fun in a year or two. And I can't tell you, it's almost 50-50, literally, if you're going to meet your goal using a, the average stock. But in a 10-year period, historically, the stock market averages over 10%, over 10% per year, which is an amazing return. So I know that if I have a growing season of 10 years, stocks are fantastic. If I have a growing season of one year, stocks are horrible and I don't want to look at them. Instead, I want maybe a high yield savings account uh, to help me to help me get to that goal. Maybe a certificate of deposit. But uh, I definitely do not want stocks or real estate. Real estate's the same way. 15 years, real estate is fantastic. Two years, real estate's horrible. There's so many transaction fees. It just, it kills you uh, in the real estate market. So if you think about your investments and that they have a growing season, like farmers have growing seasons, you're much more likely to pick the right stuff to make you successful with investing. Fantastic analogy, mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody hates it. <laughs> my 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 co-author, we went on a 40 city book tour and on the tour every time crops came up she'd roll her eyes and go, "Oh, here comes the crop analogy." Oh boy. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So, yeah, wonderful conversation, Joe. Now let's spice up the episode by kicking off a quick Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Let me fire the first bullet. Joe, what was your childhood fantasy? Oh, I wanted to be an architect. You know, Frank Lloyd Wright? I wanted to be the next uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, I, which is funny because I think life is about design. So, uh, yeah, architect. Okay. So, you mentioned about one piece of advice uh, related to surrounding yourself with uh, strong people or uh, with smart people, I would say. Other than yeah. that, is there any other best piece of advice? Yeah. Um, there's a phrase that Nike used before they used uh, just do it. And it was feel the fear and do it anyway. And somebody said that to me once. I fear everything. I'm afraid of everything. And this mantra of feel the fear, but do it anyway, that a friend of mine told me early on has resonated with me forever. Feel, go ahead, feel the fear, but just do it. Moving to my next question. What is one worst decision in your life? Oh boy. Um, part of my, part of my financial problems when I was, when I was, uh, early on, uh, not only did I get in a lot of credit card debt, 
I found out that I had surrounded myself with the wrong people. One of those people was a tax advisor that gave me no tax advice. When I earned $80,000, I had no idea what I could claim and what I couldn't in the US tax code. And I ended up owing, I ended up owing a bunch of money. In truth, I owed a lot less than that, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So, and I hadn't saved any money. I had no money to pay the tax. So here's the worst thing I did. I decided to do nothing. And I will tell you, that when you do nothing with the tax agents, they come find you, believe it or not. And I ended up in penalties and fees and stupidity, holding, owing about $80,000, $80,000 when I should have probably owed about $15,000 and it was my own stupidity. So that would, that, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's Such the dumbest. Expensive mistake. Expensive. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's move to the next one. Can you share top three things from your bucket list in case if you have one? Oh, I've heard you ask this before. And the funny thing is, is I feel very lucky, Naveen. I've done a lot of stuff on my bucket list. So, so can I say this? I want to come to India and I, and I'm not just, I'm, I'm not saying that to the host. I truly want to come to India. I want to go to Scandinavia too, but I think I want to come to India first and then Scandinavia. So I'm coming to visit. That's one. Number two is you guys play cricket over there. We don't play cricket. We have baseball. I want to visit all the United States baseball diamonds. I've been to 17 of them. There's, uh, there's over 30. And so I want to get to all these different baseball stadiums. And what would be my third one? You know, you know, my third one is I've been working hard. This is a bucket list for my community. We talked about community earlier. They're these wonderful people that started building walking trails around our town. I want to get a trail named after them. And I'm trying to get the city behind me on that. It just is something I wanted to do for my community. And that's a bucket list item now to get that through. Um, so getting a trail named after these wonderful people that have started making these beautiful walking spaces around our hometown. Wow. I'm sure it is going to happen because uh, that's a noble purpose and uh, definitely universe is going to support uh, in creating that. That was great rapid fire so far and let me fire the last bullet, uh, Joe. Uh, what is one electronic gadget that you like to see or invent yourself? <laughs> a gadget. You know what's funny? Uh, I am a spender by nature, so I've had to set up these systems. Uh, so I did that well. I wish I had the same thing for my diet. Because whenever I see bad food, especially ice cream and hamburgers, I want to eat them. So I wish there was, I guess I create like a shock collar that every time I wanted to eat some ice cream or have a hamburger, it shocks me. And uh, I get that Pavlovian response of hamburgers are bad. Salad is good. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's it. Such a creative one <laughs> and great idea. In fact, Wonderful rapid fire and uh, Joe, let's uh, flip back to the mainstream and before I let you go, one final question for today's conversation. What will be your biggest piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their life or careers? You can choose either of them. Well, I got to say before I give you this, thank you very much, Naveen, for having me. This has been super. I've been looking forward to this since you invited me and um, what a great conversation, such a great show. You know what? My piece of advice to people is the one thing I've always regretted uh, on my time on earth is when I procrastinated, when I didn't get moving and I didn't get moving because I was afraid because I thought I'd make mistakes. And here's what I would tell a younger me and that I'll tell everyone out there. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess it all up. It's going to go horribly, but the only way is through. So make the mistakes, learn from those mistakes and get them out. Start now, like start now with making the mistakes, get out there and do it. 
again, feel the fear and do it anyway. Get, get, get moving. I think if I'm going to say it succinctly, Naveen, it's get moving. Awesome. <laughs> Mind-blowing conversation. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate you taking time and uh, sharing all the wonderful insights. And in fact, I'm privileged to host you today. Well, thank you so much. All right. So, folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a small request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from that where you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this episode and enjoyed the conversation, please feel free to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now, let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. So, today, Joe has given a lot of tips around goal setting, how to deal with fear of missing out, and many other aspects. I'm going to share some tips around surroundings, how surroundings are going to influence our goal setting. You know, in general, like what I did is in case if uh, before I launched my podcast, I announced to the public saying that I'm going to do it in two months. And I've set uh, a hard goal for myself and that constantly reminded me not to lose that particular word in front of all. And that made me launch my podcast and we have released over 270 episodes by now. Right. Likewise, having a supportive social circle can help encourage you and show you how to stay motivated throughout the challenging situations. In fact, career coaches and mentors provide expert guidance and resources for personal and professional development. However, inspiring people lift you up and help you get back on track, especially when things don't go as planned. So when setting goals, it is also important to create a circle of supportive people to help you stay motivated along the way because it is uh, it is going to help us immensely and in addition to that it is also equally important to avoid naysayers and toxic people who impulsively shut down your ideas which means just avoid those negative people around you that's all for today in case if you have any tips around goal setting please drop them shoot them through social media or email us at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. And in addition to that, if you have any topic recommendations or speaker suggestions, feel free to reach out to me through social media or email us at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Friends, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode.